the series we're talking about is called Houses of God, and we are looking at how each of our homes, the places where we live, the place that you call your house, your home, how that really is something, a place where worship can take place, where people can grow closer to Christ, where discipleship can be done, and making those places available. And and this is where really life group communities begin to take form, where we, where we have the opportunity to get in a circle of people. We meet together. We eat together. We pray together. And and this this idea is not something that is one of those we just throw out there kind of in a passing thing. It actually is going to be one of the foundational things about our congregating together. And, and the reason is is because this is kind of this what we are doing here right now is so important. But there's an inability to really grow deeper. In our relationship with Christ, as long as it's a one-directional thing, you hear the word proclaimed and shared and, and talked about. And even if you're meeting in a Bible study, so many Bible studies are also one-directional, meaning where somebody is teaching you about the Bible, but then you have questions and thoughts and things going on in your life. And, and there's not the opportunity to do what the Bible tells us to do, which is to bear one another's burdens to to be able to share with you, to confess to one another, our sins to one another. We lack those opportunities. So these groups enable us to do what the Bible commands us to do. And, and with good reason. Because this is how the body of Christ has always remained strong. How, how the body of Christ came together when it first formed. People gathered together, met in people's homes and Relationships about accountability were in place and so forth. And when you're small in number, if you're a small church, you kind of do this without thinking you're doing it. You kind of have you, people know each other, they hold each other accountable, they raise each other's children, they don't really think about it. But when as a church grows larger, if this isn't in place, one, you can't really grow long, larger if you don't have this in place, or else it just becomes a place where um, a bunch of people gather together here a speaker. And really the church isn't being the church. And today we're looking at finding common ground with people. Because one of the reasons why we typically don't gather together with other people is because we just don't know those other people. And they're different than we are. And they practice things different than we are. They look different than we are. They act different than we are. They have different last names than we have or whatever the case. We, we have trouble sometimes finding that common ground. The reason why we have so many denominations is because we have trouble finding common ground. And we can always find reasons to divide. We can always find reasons to split apart. It's finding reasons to be bonded together, finding things that connect us together. And we do this all the time. I'm going to tell you, my wife and I, when we met, we did not come from similar backgrounds. We were not similar people. We didn't have, we had some similar interests, but we discovered most of those later. Um, and yet, when God brought us together, we could see that it was Him bringing us together. And we were learning from one another, and we were growing and developing. But our common ground, our common bond, 
was Christ. And our desire to live for him and to serve him, and that was the thing that brought us together. And then we could see how the things that he had put in her life and the things he had put in my life helped us both to grow closer to Christ. And that's that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. It's supposed to be God seeing God bring people together and us working together in some in a way that only God could do and only his spirit could lead us to do to accomplish things that only God could do through his people. We're going to look in just three verses this morning in Acts chapter 2, verse 43. It says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for this simple, short, eloquent piece of Scripture. But Lord, there's so much that Luke is summarizing in this these three brief verses. Lord, help us to see how they relate and connect to us today. Help us to see how we can be people coming together on common ground. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that we want to do when we're trying to put together groups is recognize that there are some things that just bond us all together. And I call these common all relationships. Common all relationships are when you and I see something happen and we are it's a jaw-dropping experience that we share with other people. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that. Like when 9-11 occurred, I can remember the people who were with me during 9-11. I was at school, and we all were there, and it was one of those moments that we all were watching the same thing and incredulous at all that was taking place and all drawn into it. People that I would not normally have talked to, people that I would not normally have interacted with, I'm interacting with, I'm talking to, we're all sharing, we're all experiencing a lot of emotions and seeing something and so forth as we're going through this together. I, um, there are some, uh, sadly, there's also, I remember in 1992 when Christian Leitner hit a basketball goal against Kentucky, and many people don't even remember that. I remember that. So it was something that links me together. And when I meet people who have that, I could be anywhere in any country, any language. And if somebody says, oh, I still remember that Christian Leitner basket, it's like, really? I do too. And now we're best friends. Now we can eat we can eat a meal together because we have that in common. And all of us remember things. And sometimes it's seeing something. Sometimes you're just in, in a place where somebody does something spectacular and you're like, whoa, did you see that? And you're talking to somebody you've never met before. You've never talked to before, but you're asking, did you see that? Because you're in awe of something and you want to know if they also see the same awesome thing that you're seeing. Maybe it's a rainbow or something or that you see this amazing, beautiful rainbow and you stop and go, oh my goodness, you see that? And that's what it is. We have this already this connection with people just by seeing something amazing. And this is what it was like when Jesus was walking the planet. When he would come into a town and and they're like, did you see what that guy did? Did you hear what that guy did when those that crowd of people and thousands, there were thousands of people and there was just one little boy's lunch and they fed everybody. 
Did you hear about that? And they're like, I just hear about it. I was there. And they're like, oh my goodness, you were there. And you know, and this is, and this is, you know, Jesus went to a funeral, and and this little boy was dead, and he brought him back to life, and all these different things occurred, and people were just amazed by it. And then after Jesus has died, the crucifixion was a common all thing, just a, a, a negative event that people went through and they remembered it and so forth. But then the resurrection comes and spins that around. And the resurrection becomes one of the greatest common all moments of history. The greatest common all moment of history. Before that, you had the parting of the Red Sea. That was the crowning moment. That the, the part, if you look through Scripture, the one thing that's referenced more than anything else as far as being the major act of God is the parting of the Red Sea and, and demonstrating God's power. But after that, in the New Testament, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, how could it not be? I mean, a man was crucified, killed in public and then came back to life and hundreds of people. It wasn't like one person saw him or five people saw him and said, I saw him back in a forest, you know, and some, like really, like a, like a Bigfoot sighting or something like that. This was hundreds of people didn't just see him, they ate with him, they talked with him, they walked with him for weeks. And so they had this awesome moment. And then the Spirit of God is unleashed at Pentecost. And the apostles, they have this miraculous moment. But after that, even they continue to do things and miracles are still performed. And we see some of those miracles carried out throughout the book of Acts. Paul, even the apostle Paul is, is uh, after the latecomer to the show, uh, has this experience with Christ. He's transformed. He's changed. He's renewed. He's regenerated as a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, once a persecutor of Christians. And then he goes along and he is now, um, he is now performing Miracles. The word for awe in here, let's, let's look at the verse. Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe. Now in the King James, New King James, uses the word fear. And the reason is because the word is phobos, which is like phobia. It is a, but it is a reverent fear. It is this understanding that we're kind of like, and that's what awe is really. It's just kind of like, Wow, that is amazing, but in some ways terrifying. Because you realize the sheer power, something beyond your ability, something that you couldn't do, something somebody who's doing something that's far beyond your realm. And and we we look at it and again that jaw-dropping moment. It says everyone was everyone was filled with awe. And and that gives the implication that it goes beyond people of faith. It's just people outside observers would have been struck by it. It says that many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. And the apostles, when they performed these miracles, were always quick to do something. They were always quick to point people back to Christ, to recognize this is... The source, and that's what we need to do and understand that we always, when we when we see that, like when you see that rainbow or you see this event or whatever, you it's important for us, the body of Christ, to point people to God in that moment. Isn't God isn't God amazing? You know, or praise praise the Lord. Look at 
what he for for creating that rainbow or creating that waterfall or creating this moment or or giving this guy the power to do that or I praise the Lord that he empowered this person to do these great things. And then when we come together in our groups, this is very critical. When we meet, when you and I meet together, we talk about the anointment of God more than the disappointment of people. When you and when we get together in these groups, when we come together and and the common ground we need to find is not how much we hate other people. Because that tends to be where conversations gravitate. We tend to say, yeah, I don't like them. You don't like them? I don't like them either. And here's nine reasons why I don't like them. And we start talking about what we don't like. And that's really sad in the Christian faith because that's really we're not called to do that. We're not called to hate people. Or to talk about our frustration with people. But it does give us that sort of gossip and and backbiting and all that stuff. That's the source of it. It's like, wow, did you hear what happened? And we, and we, we feed on it. It's like, let me tell you about 90 more negative things I found out about this person. Or did you see this and look at this person? Oh, they fell down. Oh, it's even funnier now. That's a very sensitive subject to me. My wife laughs every time I fall and every time I share stories about falling. She laughs. Because she's really not a good follower of Jesus Christ. Now I'm just I'm just trying to make sure you're paying attention. When we get together, we do not need to be talking about our disappointments about people. We need to be talking about the anointment of God. And and yes, there will be a time to share and to uh, and to talk about the things that are burdening you and the things you're carrying, the things you're struggling with. But part of that eating conversation or that conversation when you first come together, try to move the conversation to a place of talking about how amazing God is. Because sometimes this is what people need. They need to be reminded of, let me tell you something awesome that God did today. I always, <laughs> I, I don't want to say I hated prayer services, but I, I was frustrated with a lot of prayer services at churches. Because we would get together and say, hey, let's all come together and let's have a prayer meeting. And then it would be like, does anybody have any prayer request? And there would be like, this person has cancer and this person's suffering and this person has this disease and this person's in the hospital. And I understand those things. There are people that you care about and they're suffering and so forth. So the prayer request is easy. We always saw needs. This person lost their job, whatever. And so these, these are all things that needed to be prayed for. And that, that's very appropriate. But then we get to praise reports. And there would be crickets chirping. And then somebody, well-meaning person, says, well, I just praise God I got up this morning. And I'm sitting there thinking, really? Is that the best God can do? The God of the universe, who can do all things, who raises people from the dead, who makes blind eyes see, who makes lame people walk, got you out of bed this morning, and that's what you want all of us to praise His holy name about. Like, let's sing a song of how amazing God's grace is because you were able to get out of bed today. When you get out of bed every day and there's nothing that ever hinders you from getting out of bed. It's like, can we not see something greater at work around us? And that's because we're not paying attention to what God is doing. We are filled more with disappointment than with anointment. When you actually look for what God is doing that's great, you'll discover 
He's doing a lot of great things. Every single day. And when you're praying for God to move in great ways and you've been praying for a long time, that's what, that's what you want to see. You want to see. You want to say, we've been praying about this and look at what God did. It was amazing. And I love praise reports where God-sized things take place. That is what's encouraging the body, the body of Christ. When somebody comes and says, you know what? We didn't share this with anybody because we were so embarrassed. But we, couldn't, we didn't have enough money to pay our electric bill. And we didn't tell anybody about it, but we just prayed. And we said, God, please help us. And then we went out to the mailbox. And in the mailbox, there was an envelope with cash in it. And it was the exact amount of our electric bill. And we just fell to our knees and wept and rejoiced and praised God. Now, I can praise God with them because that is an awesome story, isn't it? And I've, that's an actual story that was shared with me. That's an actual event that occurred in our lives. But we weren't the ones sharing it on the night. That actually happened to us years before that person was sharing it with us. And so it's like, wow, not only did God do that for us several years ago, he did it for them this week. And an amazing, an amazing thing. And other people are in the room, people who are not so secure in their faith or, or people who may be just checking God out are hearing that going, really? That happened? Well, you didn't tell anybody? You surely told somebody. You surely posted it on Facebook or something, and somebody knew about it, and it's like, no. And then, and, and the cool thing is, is then I, another person shares a story. It's like, you know what? I was driving along, and I just felt God impressed upon me to buy a gallon of milk. I didn't even need milk, but I went and bought a gallon of milk. I just felt the Holy Spirit leading me to get buy a gallon, so I bought a gallon of milk, and I'm driving home, and I start to turn left to go home, and I just sense the Holy Spirit saying, turn right. And so I turn right. As so I drove down the road, and I'm just driving down the road, and so then I sense the Holy Spirit saying, stop at this door. And, and I stopped at the door, so I walk up to the door, knock on the door with a gallon of milk in my hand, and a mom comes to the door and says, we had run out of milk. My husband is gone. I didn't know how in the world I was going to get milk for my baby, and here you are, and just starts weeping. Well, he starts weeping. We all start weeping. It's like you're, you're like that has you have to be lying about that. That's you, that didn't really happen. And he's like, oh, I'm telling you, this is exactly how it happened. You know, I come home, tell my wife, and so forth, and we just and we just wanted to share it with you all. See, that's an awe-inspiring story. That's an anointment of God's story. Those are the kind of things that you can't. I mean, you could make them up, but why would you make them up? I mean, and I'm not trying, please don't make up stories like that. Don't say, well, i got to come up with a God story. Don't do, let God show you the God story. And believe me, he's been doing that. Things just like that. And things of greater scale. People, and I have, I, I feel almost embarrassed of how many stories I have. Of how many times we've witnessed things that I can't explain. How many awe-inspiring stories that God has given us. The reason why I'm embarrassed about it is you would think my faith would be so much better. And I would be so much uh, greater of a believer in Christ. Better follower of Christ. And never follow because I've seen such great things. But when I see the children of Israel see the parting of the Red Sea and then fall away down here. I get it. I understand how fickle we can be and how weak we can be. But then I come back to the amazing grace that he has. And that's, that's where that conversation should come. Amazing God is. And even though we are weak and disappointing, 
He is still so amazing. His grace is so amazing. It brings us back to the awesomeness of his redemptive plan. So we have that. That's our first source of common ground, that those common all relationships. But then, then the word tells us they, they also shared, and we should dare to share. Dare to share. When you and I, when we find this bond, we find this connection, a reason to talk to people about how great and awesome God is, the next step in building that community, of finding that common ground, is just sharing what we have. That's, that goes back a long way. You know, it goes back to when we were kids. And we find, you know, you think Spider-Man's amazing? I think Spider-Man's amazing. We don't have to have real people. We just think of fictional characters, amazing. So that bonds us together. So now I have this Spider-Man bond with this other kid. And it's like the next step in our relationship is, uh, hey, you like baseball cards? I like baseball cards. Here's my, here's some of my favorite baseball cards. And, hey, no, you take them. I want you to have them. I'm like, really? You're, you're sharing some of your best baseball cards with me? I'm not sharing my best baseball cards because those hidden away in my room, but I'm sharing these baseball cards with you, and they are good baseball cards. I just want to share them. But you see that that idea of I'm I'm now saying to you in a relationship way, I'm trying to say, hey, I'm ready to take this to a different level of friendship. I'm saying I'm willing to share with you so that we can go a little bit deeper in our relationship with one another. And as adults, that's much harder to do. Because we've been hurt. We've been hurt. We had that kid who took our baseball cards, who found our, our found our really good baseball cards and took them and stole them and sold them at a pawn shop or something like that, or something really tragic or terrifying. Somebody hurt us. And adults, after being hurt time after time after time in relationships, we're very guarded in our relationships. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to share with you because I have shared. I have been vulnerable with people. And they hurt me. So I don't want to do this. I'd say that's one of the reasons why life groups are so hard to get started. If you haven't already gotten in one and formed one, it's because I don't really want to be with this group of people knowing that you could, I'm, I'm going to start sharing vulnerable things with you, things that you could hurt me with. And I've been hurt. And I don't want to be hurt again. And I would rather not be in that relationship. I'd rather just keep to the safe zone that I have. Well, look in verse 44. He says, Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. This word he's using in Greek, Luke is using a word that is that the Greeks were familiar with. It was a description of a utopian community that this would always describe. The Greeks had this idea that, that you, if you came together and you shared all your things together, that that this and, and we, we we're familiar with this. We know of communities that were started that were communes. We call them, where everybody shares everything and everybody gets along and everybody loves each other and and uh, and we don't care about our how much we have. We just all share our stuff, have all things in common. Now he's going to clarify what he means by this, but he starts down this path to give us an idea of that this utopia that they're trying to seek. This is it's not possible. In Greek philosophy, it's not possible in Greek culture. It's not possible in American culture. And and this this is very helpful for us as the church because this is what the people we meet want. This is an idea. They don't think it's possible. Some of them are bitter, but some some do think it's possible. And they're trying to achieve it. They're trying to create it. 
I mean, the, this whole election process that we go through, everybody, what everybody's trying to do is they're trying to say, if we could elect the right people and get government just exactly the way we want, or you have other side of it, say, if we could just get rid of government, if we could have less government and just more freedom for people, the more capitalism and, and so forth, then it would start to, and we already know, it doesn't matter which path you take, whether you go to more government, less government, more freedom, less freedom, sin's going to mess it up. Every time. What was happening in the church is Christ was pulling people together and the Spirit of God put into that circumstance. When, when everybody is following the same Holy Spirit, when everybody is empowered by the same Holy Spirit, that's the best shot at community that you have. That's the best shot at having a loving and forgiving environment with the foundation of God's Word. Now, that's why the church has always been the place where nobody argues and nobody fights and everybody loves each other for centuries. Now you see, there were problems even then. But it is what brings us together of saying, this is not going to be perfect because we're fallen people. But we believe this. We believe we're going to be lose this body, be resurrected, be given a new body with a redeemed soul, and that we will spend eternity together in a perfect society. I mean, who believes that heaven is going to be like this? Nobody believes that. I don't know anybody who believes that, of any belief system. The utopia that we're all seeking, what we realize... The, only, the reason why people in this world are seeking utopia here is because they believe this is all there is. We believe there's something beyond this. Something greater than this. And so, when you get together in these homes, don't just, we're eating together, but don't just share a meal. Share your life. Practice. Practice how we are going to interact with one another for all eternity. Look forward to this perfect utopian world that we're all going to. Know it's not here now. And know that they can betray you. Obviously, Jesus was betrayed. But he made himself vulnerable. And if we're going to be Christ-like, if we're going to show people the power of Christ, if we're going to show people the power of his love, we also have to be vulnerable. Knowing that they can crucify you. Knowing that they can take you out and flog you, take you out in the city street and stone you. This is what has happened to all followers of Christ, or for followers of Christ for generations. We've been persecuted. They, it can happen. We can be betrayed. Obviously, that Jesus, our Lord, was betrayed. The apostles were betrayed. We will be betrayed. But we're showing something about our faith when we make ourselves vulnerable. So don't just share a meal. Don't just come together and say, hey, let's all eat together. We share our lives. Let me tell you a little bit about me. Let me, here's, here's who I am. Me, all my flaws included. Now, I think it's important that we have these communities and understand, don't purposefully betray people. Don't purposefully start to sabotage it. No, you're trying to build a community of trust and, and you re reinforce and there will be consequences of, of breaking those trusts and so forth. And seeing, this is, 
This is why we don't follow after Satan and we follow after Christ. Because when we all forgive each other and love each other and are, are learning to love each other more than we love ourselves. Or, let me say it just like Jesus would say it. When we learn to love each other as Jesus loves us, as Jesus loves us, that's when we have this great community. But there, Jesus made himself vulnerable to us. And so we make ourselves vulnerable to others. That's how we grow deeper in relationships. And it's not this free love, hippie idea of a commune where we sell everything and then everybody just owns the same amount of stuff. And, and he clarifies that in this next part. But, but it brings us to the last point, and that is that sharing is caring. To dare to share... And when you share, sharing is caring. Making available what I have. Not just giving it to you, but knowing it's available. That if I have sugar and you need a cup of sugar, and I have sugar to give, then I'm going to share that cup of sugar with you. We know this already. This is what being a good neighbor is, right? This is what we know that being a good neighbor, this is what it is. I, I made a decision that I would never buy a drill as long as I had church members with drills. Because I know they don't use them all the time. So in their drill downtime, I would just borrow the guy's drill who didn't have one. So that way I'm being a better steward by not buying a drill. And then I became like everybody else. I was like, I got tired of borrowing your drill. So I bought a drill. Well, one, I could afford a drill after a little while, but I, I couldn't afford a drill at the beginning. And so now I bought a drill. But now that I had a drill, guess what I had to remember? I have a drill not only to use, I have a drill to share. So when the people come and ask for my drill, I'm not supposed to go, no way. I know what I did to other people's drills, so you're not taking mine. You know, now when I buy a car, it's like I might as well just put an animal in it and go through the parking lot and just say, ding my car up as much as you want just to get it over with. Hit it with every shopping cart you can think of so I can just get this over with and, and be done with it or just buy the car in that condition because then I don't have to worry about it because that's what's going to happen. People are going to mess up my stuff and, and I'm if I loan it out to people, it's going to come back smelling worse than when I gave it to them or, or something. Bad's, you know, this is what happens when we... We share, but why? So why do we share? We share because we care about people, because we love people. And I struggle with that. But here's here's where Luke takes things in a little bit of a direction. He goes actually says, you know, the utopian idea of the Greeks was that everybody had all things, sold everything they had, and distributed everything. It's basically socialism. He says that's. That's not what we're talking about. We're going back to an Old Testament idea. Back in Deuteronomy where God commanded them, just there should not be poor people among you. When you recognize somebody is suffering, then sell something. Sell a cow or sell a piece of land or whatever and help that person get out of that hole. You know, it's like the MediShare idea of insurance or whatever. It's a great concept. And that is we just 
let's just share our resources. And so when you're going through a difficult time, you take those resources and use them. And then when I'm going through a difficult time, I take the resources and use them. And that way everybody's taken care of. That's the idea behind that. Look in verse 45. He says, They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all. And here's the catch. As any had need. So they didn't sell everything and distribute the money to everybody so everybody had the same amount of money. Now, when you had a need, if I had abundance, then I took out of my abundance and shared with you so that you didn't have a need anymore. And this should be the principle of the church. And and I think it works best. This is why small groups are so important because in in a group, a small group, You can actually see those needs as they're taking place, and you know the need better than anybody. And here's here's what I want us to do in our groups, what I think God is showing to us. Pray that God will show you how to keep your circle unbroken. Unbroken. And what I mean by that is, is when you look at the people in your group, listen as they're sharing these burdens. And saying, you know, we... You know, we lost our car, or we're losing our house, or we don't know how we're going to live, or whatever. And then as a group, pray, how can we help resolve this? It's much easier for me to respond with church resources when a group comes to me and says, hey, this is the situation, and we're all very familiar with it, and this is a real need. Then for somebody just to come off the street and say, hey, I need a hundred bucks, for something. Now, I, I mean, if you want to talk about people who have been burned by people asking for money or for help or whatever, I have so many stories I could tell you. You know, people who ask for money to fix a broken taillight when you can clearly see their taillights aren't broken. My favorite is when a guy came to my house at 6 in the morning, 6 in the morning, and was honking on his horn and needed money for a thermostat. And when I said... I need a mechanic, we'll go to his house, we'll get him up, we'll go buy a thermostat, put it in your car, and get you on your way. He says, no, 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 it's not out yet. But I'm afraid it's going to go out, and I just need the cash. So if there was anybody who would be cynical, and I, and that's a better story. There, are, <laughs> If you were in my small group, I'll tell you the worst stories. Worst ele- things about humankind there are on the planet. Horrible stories about people and how they manipulate churches and, and so forth and what they do to get money. So I, And I'm still telling you this. And this is what I tell people now who come to me from outside the church and want to help. I say, you know how I can really help you? Especially if you live here. Just come to this church. Let us get to know you. Let's get to know your need. Then we can really help you. Then we can. And that needs to be true. But that needs, that needs to actually be happening. That needs to be the story of our people. And, and understand, this happens best in small groups of people. Because when it's one out of... I mean, this church has been like 600 people at one time. And one person out of 600 comes and says, Hey, I need help. It's like, yeah, we all need help. Welcome to the club. But when you're in an extended family, life group, now those people know you. Love you, care about you, know your situation. And not only can they help you, they know how to help you because they know you. 
Because sometimes maybe you don't need money. Maybe you need help, financial counseling or debt counseling or, or some type of way to resolve whatever your situation is. And that's when you need people who you trust and surround you and love you and care about you and so forth. And it can really speak into your life. Maybe it's a sin issue that you need to have addressed. And that's why you need people who love you and care about you and are willing to address the sin issue in your life. But that's the point. The point is, is that this is how we keep our church together. Because what happens when it's 600 people and one family leaves? We don't miss that family. Maybe somebody misses them. But people come and go in large churches and the bulk of people don't ever know. Some of you may have gone to a larger church and you left the church and you're like, they never even miss me. They still think we're members there. <laughs> I saw them in the grocery store the other day and they said, hey, how are you doing? I haven't seen a church lately and you've been gone for five years. That happens. But it doesn't happen in a small group. In a life group, you got four families in a life group. One family doesn't show up. You miss that family. You know they're not there. And you have the ability to say, what's going on? Where are you? What's happening? You can keep that circle connected. And all, and you have the ability to pray and ask God, God, how can we help? How can we help restore them? How can we help get them back? How can we help bring healing to them? How can we help fix their financial situation or fix their emotional situation or fix their marriage situation or their parenting situation? How do we help them? Believing that God has an answer and He will use you, use the church, use the body of Christ to bring healing and restoration. This morning, I, I want us to get used to this, this use to this invitation where we respond and come and pray. And, and I like using the stairs as kind of an altar place and so forth. And, and, and it's going to take some time, but over the next 10 years or so, we're <laughs> going to get used to this. This time of invitation is an opportunity. An opportunity for us to respond to God's grace. To ask for great things. And because every week when we sit here in, in the service, cause I, I know it's true for you. It's true for me. And I've talked to other people that, and enough people know it's true for them as well, that, if we really take a moment, there's something there. Something that we came in that God, through, at some point in the service, showed us this needs to be fixed. It, it may be you. It may be somebody else. And sometimes we don't respond with because we're like, yeah, that's just not going to happen. They're never going to get saved. Or they're never going to. They're never, I'm never going to get a situation. I'm never going to find the right job. Or my relationship is never going to get any better. Or whatever the case may be. Or I've got to, I know I have to do this and this and this and this to get, make it right. And God's waiting on me to do this, this and this. God is waiting on all of us to turn to Him as our Savior. To really believe with all of our heart that He is the one. The one who can give us eternal life who can restore life, who gives us life abundantly, who fills us with the Holy Spirit, who has the power to save people that seem unsavable, the power to restore that which seems like it can't be restored. He does the miraculous. He allows situations to arise in our world that will draw us to Him so that we will ask Him to do something great and then He will do something great because He loves for our jaws to drop 
So that we have to go, that is unbelievable. That is amazing. Because then what do we do after that? We worship Him. And He loves to be worshipped. Look at the stories of Jesus. Look at the things that He does. Everything He's doing is just getting people to go, I never knew God could do that. They would say it, as you're supposed to say it, but then they believed it because they saw it right there in front of them. And he did that in the early church, working these signs and wonders. And some people say there are no signs and wonders that those kinds of have ceased or whatever. I don't believe that. I believe God's still doing great things. I believe God still wants to see his amazing power. So ask for great things. Ask him. Do something amazing. Throw it up. Think of the biggest problem you got. The biggest problem anybody's got. And then humble yourself before Him. Take advantage of this opportunity to get on your knees and say, God. And this is why I'm amazed. When I'm praying with people, I'm amazed. They'll go, well, it's like they, they have like five prayer requests. And four of those prayer requests are softballs that they think God can do. But they got this other one. Go, no, I don't want to share this one. This one's too big. This one's too great. And it's like, no, that's the one. Dude, give that one. And you know what we're afraid of, right? We're afraid if I ask God to do this and he doesn't do it, then somehow he's not God anymore. Well, you need to take a chance. Take a risk. Because let me just assure you this. He's still God whether your prayer gets answered the way you think it should be answered or not. But he'll do this for you. He'll do this for you. He will answer your prayer. But it will be the way that your prayer needs to be answered. So don't be afraid. I had to get over this. I had to get over this, you know, when we get together and say, pray for my mom to be healed. And I would be like, God, heal her if you want to. And we understand, you, you probably don't want to heal her. No, you don't want to heal her. You probably don't want to heal her. So I'm not going to ask specifically for that. But if you... If you do, do. But if you don't, that's okay. We get it. We get it. You don't want to do it. And so we're all understanding. And what I'm doing is I'm hedging my bets. I'm hedging my bets that God really doesn't want to heal her and he's not going to heal her. And so I don't want it to look like my prayer failed. And this is what I learned. I can pray, God, heal her. Because I know this. God wants her healed. And he does heal. And we say things like Martha. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know in the resurrection... You might make everybody better. And Jesus is like, you don't get this, do you? I am the resurrection. I am the life. I can bring people back from the dead. I'm going to show you that I can do that. When my dad got sick, there was a moment when we said, God, make him well. And it was that it was that time of can he make him well? What was most important through that process is that we all believed that God was going to heal him and that him leaving this world was not a non-answer or a non-healing. It is an ultimate healing. I believe that my dad is better now than he's ever been. <laughs> Forever. 
I believe that. So for me to ask, to, to think I prayed the prayer for his healing and that God failed to do what he was, we asked, this is what we prayed, God, I remember the prayer. We just want to know if he's done. Did he do what you put him here to do? Is he done raising his children? Is he done taking care of his wife? Is he done doing the mission you put him on this planet to do? And if he's done, well, of course, take him home. And help us all to finish the mission you put us here to do. And then recognize that passing from this life to the next is a miracle. It's a healing. He's where he's supposed to be. He's he, he was done. And God affirmed that. And then we pick up where he left off and we do the work we have to do. And I, I recognize that in my own life. I die before the next service. I want my wife to know. I want my children to know. I want you to know. It's just God saying, he's finished. He did his work. And now you all pick up where he left off and keep going. And when you finish, I'll reward you the same way. But never, never believe that God hears your prayer and he's going, I just can't do that. Just can't heal that guy. It's too much for me. It's too big. Mm. That's for big things. And believe that God can do it. And he will do it. If that's what needs to be done to bring him the greatest glory. That's what it's about. His glory. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for how good you are and the grace that you show us each and every day and the power that you hold in your hand. Lord, when we get together in homes, right when we get together right here, right now, Lord, may we never leave your presence not asking for great things. Lord, the, the more challenging the prayer request, the greater opportunity for the display of of your glory. So may we ask boldly. Lord may we boldly approach your throne. Lord you make it possible through the blood of your son Jesus Christ. Through the redemption we have in him. You fill us with your Holy Spirit. You give us access into the Holy of Holies. Where we can come before the Shekinah glory of God. And we can ask for the universe to be transformed. And you have the power to do it. So may we ask with confidence, believing that you will do that which brings you the greatest amount of glory. And that is what we want. We want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. So that your name might be magnified. Not just so that things will work out the way we think they need to work out. But Lord, the way things should work out for your ultimate praise. But Lord, may we never falter in our faith and not believe that you can bring back the dead that you can make blind eyes see that you can make lame people walk that you can restore the fortunes that have been lost that you can that you can bring people to a saving faith that you can transform lives you can set people free from addictions you can make people who lord who are just so lost you can find them bring people out of darkness and put them in the light Lord, show us this morning in our heart what we need a God 
of your size, your magnitude to fix. And may we not hesitate to come to you and ask for it to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? You can ask for it where you are. You can come up here and ask for it. You can do wherever you want. But if it's you, you think you need to be saved, come ask Jesus to save you. He can do that. You know, somebody else needs to be saved? Ask Jesus to do it. He can do that. If you need something fixed in your life, if you have children or parents or something, or you yourself or a spouse, somebody who needs something great, you can, like I said, you can ask for it where you are, but you can also come up here, humble yourself before the Lord and ask him for great things that he will do it this morning. He will do it. There's a grace and the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in When I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the Fire standing next to me. There was another in the fire holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. There is another in the fire All my dead left for dead beneath the waters I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore Should I fall in the space between what remains of me and this reckoning? Either way, I won't bow to the things of this world. And I know I'll never be alone. There is another in the fire standing next to me. There is another in the waters Holding back the seas Should I ever need reminding What power set me free Through the grave that holds nobody Now that power lives in me There is another in the fire darkness as the darkness bows to him I can hear the roar in the heavens as the space between worse than I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls cave in nothing stands between us nothing stands between us
was and still is and will be through it all So come what may in the space between All the things unseen and this reckoning I know how I'll never be alone I know how I'll never be alone There'll be another in the fire Standing next to me There'll be another in the waters Holding back the seas should I ever need reminding How good you've been to me I'll count the joy from every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be And I can see the light in the darkness As the darkness bows to him I can hear the roar in the heavens as the space between where's then I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls cave in nothing stands between us nothing stands between us don't forget that our opportunity to worship through our tithes and offerings is now we have boxes in the back to put our offerings in and so forth and and uh, appreciate those who give online and, and use those means and text giving and all the different ways we have to to su- not just support the ministries of our church but to be good stewards of God and uh, just trust that God will lead you to give as you see as as he wants you to thank you for being here this morning may God bless you today we have a baptism at the next service if you want to witness that we can We'll let you. Uh, so you can, that'll be at the very top of the hour, very first thing we do at 11 o'clock. Um, and, uh, and so we look forward to Christine Ferreri being baptized this morning. Excited about that and for her decision to follow Christ and uh, excited about that. But anyway, may God bless you guys today. Let me pray this out. Father, we just thank you, God, for how great and amazing you are. May you just pour out your blessing upon this group of people. May we go out of here, out of this place, filled with your Holy Spirit ready to be used for the glory of your kingdom. Father, thank you again for the grace that you've shown us. Lord, we do pray for great things. Lord, do a mighty work in this church, in this community. Lord, may we see your power displayed in time after time again. And as people in this community begin to see your amazing works, may we always point them to Christ and show that it's not us, it is you, Lord, who deserve all the glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.